many people who have been hurt, whether they are survivors of childhood trauma or any type of experience that leaves them deeply wounded, a lot of times people focus on what has been done to them and they just want healing. They want the person who hurt them to apologize, to make amends and to make things right. This year, as I studied, God reminded me that in as much as we've been hurt, we also hurt others and we hurt Him. And we pray for things like joy, discernment, to understand God's love, to feel peace and generally emotionally balanced. And God said, yes, all of these are possible. And there is one surprising, or maybe it's not so surprising, but perhaps it's one forgotten or underestimated way to get all of these desires of our hearts met. And this is what I will be going through with you today. So stay tuned. Hey, sister friend, welcome to the Shades of Trauma Healing Podcast. Do you want to overcome the wounds and impacts of childhood trauma that are holding you back in life? Do you want to get unstuck, begin thriving and confidently living God's best in all areas? I'm Janielle, a certified clinical trauma specialist, life coach, trauma thriver, and most of all, a daughter of God living loved and on purpose. In this podcast, I'll share trauma education, healing strategies along with biblical applications and motivational stories to support you in your journey toward trauma healing and thriving. So grab your journal, settle into your favorite spot, and let's begin. This year, one of my intentions was to restart my fasting and prayer emphasis day. So what I do is I choose one day a week where I intentionally focus on God's word by spending time in prayer and fasting. I do work on these days, but any break that I have, I intentionally go to scripture or I listen to music or I meditate on God's word. I start the day off by doing a dedicated Bible study, spending time in prayer, and I fast from food, from television, unnecessary social media for that entire day. This year, I wanted to start off by doing confessions and I chose to start with Spiritual Disciplines Handbook by Adele Calhoun and I'll place a link to that in the show notes. And I thought I would start with confessions because it's the start of the year and because I'm doing this practice, I didn't start on January 1. I started a couple of weeks into January and I chose to start with confession because I wanted God to examine my heart before I do anything like surrender to him or pray for the needs that I wanted. And while I was going through this book, one of the exercises that I had to do was look at Psalms 32 and focus on the confession aspect of it. While I was doing this psalm, I read it when I did one of my days earlier in the year, and then I was impressed to do it again. And I went back into Psalm 32, and when I read it, I saw it with new eyes, and I thought this would be a great episode to share. Actually, I felt impressed to do it. For a couple weeks, I was thinking, okay, God, I talk about trauma and helping Christian women of color 
Carla heal from childhood trauma. How does this fit into the theme of what this podcast is? Then God reminded me that Yes, he is interested in healing trauma, and what greater trauma is there than sin and the effect that sin has on us? And while we come to God to ask for healing for the different impacts we've experienced in our childhood that would leave us with unwanted behaviors and thoughts and feelings, God wants to heal all of us. And I will read the psalm for you today, and then I will unpack what I got from this. It was so amazing because it ties into everything that we want as Christian women as we heal from trauma, all in this psalm. So let me begin. Psalm 32, a psalm of David, and I'll be reading from the NLT version. Every now and then, I like to go through different Bible versions in a year. Sometimes I do comparisons as well. So this year, my main study would be from NLT and supplemented by other versions that I've used in the past. Okay, here we go. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, and my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment, for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with sounds of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like the senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey him, shout for joy, all you whose heart are pure. Let's unpack this now. In verse 1, it says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Isn't one thing that many of us want is to experience that joy? The joy that just transcends anything that we've been through or experienced in the past. And here in Psalms 32, God is saying that joy comes when our disobedience is forgiven, when our sin is put out of sight. So that means when we disobey, because we all disobey, once we ask for forgiveness, God cleanses us and removes that disobedience. I like the fact that they use that word disobedience because it drives home the fact that, yes, when we do things against the will of God, it is disobedience but there is joy in the forgiveness of it. Is it always easy to obey? 
No, it isn't, because a lot of times we have our own desires, our own wants, things of the world or the things we want to do may seem more attractive, and that's what we go for. So we end up disobeying God, but there isn't really any lasting joy in that. It might help us feel good for a season, but when we want that true joy, it comes from obeying God's word. Verse 3 goes on to say, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Verse 4, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. This is a classic example of when the Holy Spirit is convicting us, telling us about what we've done, asking us to return to God, to come back to him. But we refuse because sometimes we enjoy what we're doing. Sometimes it's a result of our trauma. We don't know how to get out of some of the behaviors, whether it's comfort eating or binge watching TV or doing anything that soothes us. We understand that it is not what God wants us to do. And I totally get that a lot of these behaviors that people who experienced trauma went through, they didn't ask for it. It's something they learned when they were kids. And again, I would say, yes, God wants to heal your trauma and he wants to heal all of you. I know early on in my history, I would focus a lot on what was done to me. And I didn't focus as much as how, on how my trauma was causing me to act towards others and towards God. It was as if I felt I had to be healed and I had to get what was owed to me first before I was able to serve others. Yes, we cannot give what we do not have and we need the Holy Spirit. We need God to fill us with the type of character that would allow us to be loving, kind, gentle with other people. And that starts with recognizing where we are, why we are where we are. And again, a lot of it may not be because you chose to do something. It's something you inherited because of what you've experienced. Nonetheless, God is calling us to examine where we've been and confess what needs to be confessed so that he can forgive us and give us the joy that we long for. So when the Holy Spirit continues to convict us, we know we need to open up and show God our heart, allow him to examine us and take away those things that are not like him, bring us to that place of surrender. And this is where verse 5 says, when the psalmist finally confessed his sin, and when he stopped trying to hide his guilt, when he finally confessed his rebellion to God, God forgave him and all that guilt was gone. Can you imagine the weight that is lifted off of you knowing that you are forgiven? And God is inviting you to come. There is nothing you have done, nothing as humans would classify as too big or too small, that God does not want to heal and forgive. So go to God. Verse 6 then encourages us, let the godly pray while there is still time. There is coming a time where it may be too late for you to confess whatever has been happening with you. And the psalmist is encouraging the reader to draw close to God before any judgment comes. While God is still waiting and encouraging you, while the Holy Spirit is still active in your life, that is the time to confess and return to God, surrender to him. He will forgive. 
verse 7 tells us why it's okay to come to God. It says, God is our hiding place. God protects us from trouble. God surrounds us with songs of victory. And that is saying when we confess and we go to God, he keeps us out of trouble because he is the one who steers our life. And he gives us the song of victory. That means we do have victory over the behaviors, the thoughts, and the patterns that easily besets us, the ones that we inherited because of our trauma and things we did not even want. But with God, we can have the victory over anything in our life that is not like him. Verse 8, I really, really like because one of the things we want, all of us I know, is discernment. We want to know what career to choose, which partner to choose. We want to know how to go about our daily lives. Some people even go down to, Lord, what do you want me to do with my time today? As daughters of God, it is our desire to serve, to obey, to trust in God and do what he asks. But a lot of us struggle with hearing from God. And verse 8 tells us, the Lord will guide us along the best pathway for our lives. Not just any pathway, the best pathway. He will advise you and he will watch over you. He wouldn't just tell you where to go and what to do. He would be there intimately close to you, watching you, so that if anything were to happen, as soon as you need him, as soon as you call upon him, he makes himself felt and known to you. Verse 9 says, Do not be like the senseless horse or mule that needs a bit or bridle to keep it under control. This stuck out to me because when I was learning horseback riding, I was taught when I want the horse to stop, I would pull on the reins and the bridle in the mouth would cause the horse pain and that pain will cause it to stop. I didn't really like the idea of causing the horse pain, so I would try not to do it. But there were times where the horse just would not do what I wanted it to do or go where I wanted it to go. And I had to use the reins and the bit and bridle caused the horse to stop, pay attention and recognize this is what I need to do. So God is saying to us, don't be like this senseless horse or mule. Don't be so own way, as we would say in the Caribbean. Don't just be so attached to wanting to do your own thing, not having self-discipline, not having self-control, that you ignore where God is leading you or ignore where God is asking you to go, so much so that he would have to then allow things in your life to bring you to attention that, hey, stop this is the path, walk in it. So before God allows things to happen that causes us to feel a little bit of pain or discomfort, and I'm not talking about God allowing your trauma as a teaching lesson, we all know that sin happens and we experience trauma because of the sinful behaviors and the pain and hurt of other people. I'm talking about in general life when we hear God leading but we want to do our own things and we choose to do our own things. God is saying I want to guide you but please listen to my instructions that are in the Bible. Listen to those instructions of wise others. Don't let me have to allow anything in your way, in your path to cause you discomfort and pain so that I can get your attention. Verse 10 says, many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust in God. 
Another thing that we all want as trauma survivors is to feel that unfailing love, that unconditional love, because some of us did not experience that growing up, so we had no idea what it feels to be unconditionally loved. And God is saying here, when you trust in me, you would feel my unfailing love. So therefore, this is a reason to rejoice. Verse 11, rejoice in the Lord and be glad all who obey him. Here again is the call to obedience. When we obey, we can rejoice because we trust in a God who would direct our path, who would watch over us, who would keep us out of trouble. If we do end up in trouble, not because of our own doing, but because God says in this world, we will always have trouble. But God is with us every step of the way to comfort, to soothe, to guide, to redeem, to restore. Therefore, that is a reason to rejoice. So shout for joy, my sister friend, all whose heart are pure pure because we have confessed all the things God is calling us not to do, because we choose to trust in him that he would lead us on the right path. So in this one passage alone, we see the key to having joy, to feeling unfailing love, to having discernment, direction, God guiding our path and watching over us, the key to having that lasting pure heart that comes from being forgiven is from obeying God, understanding that once we disobey, once we rebel by doing our own things, it causes us to experience unnecessary heartache and pain. When we confess, when we return to God, All of these things are promised to us and we can experience it day after day by going to him. It isn't always easy to recognize and understand our rebellion. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts, but sometimes our rebellion can look like learned behavior family culture, just the way things have been done. And it takes abiding with Christ. How do we abide with Christ? By spending time in his word, by asking him to show us our heart, to fill us with his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who guides, convicts, directs. He would reveal the things of our hearts. And we need to come to God with humility and Just to confirm, I'm not saying, I I don't remember if I said it earlier because I'm just freestyling here, but if I did, I guess it's worth repeating. It's not that God is saying, if you don't confess your sins and if I don't give you the forgiveness that I long to give you, I can't heal any of your trauma or any other part of your life. What God is saying that all of it is on the table. He wants to heal all of you. And part of it means looking at who we are in addition to what was done to us. It's not to go into a space of guilt or shame or feeling condemned because God says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our role is to stay in Christ. His blood washes away all our sins. And most of all, he is a loving, gentle, and merciful God. He invites us into relationship with him. 
And through that relationship, we are exposed to the characteristics that are not like him that needs to go. And in that moment, we turn to God, we confess, we receive his forgiveness, his unfailing love. That keeps us moving on in life in this secure relationship in Christ. All right, so this is what I got from my study of Psalms 32 as I continue confession. I'm almost finished with this leg of the spiritual disciplines. Not sure what I'm going on to next. As Holy Spirit leads, if he brings up anything that he impresses me to share with you, I will continue to do that. So you, my sister friend, have a work to do. Go to God and ask him, what does he need to change or to remove in your life? And even if you are not willing or able yet, or even if you don't want to give it up yet, we got to be honest with God. Say that to him and ask him, God, make me willing to be willing to let go of whatever it is that you want to take out of my life. I'm a total, total advocate of being completely honest with God. There's no sense pretending, yes, I'm all ready to surrender when we know we're not. Come to God as we are and let him change us. Let him give us the spirit of willingness. All right, my sister friend, that's it for today. Thank you for spending your time with me. As usual, you can connect with me in the Facebook group, Heal Childhood Trauma as Christian Women of Color. You can subscribe to become a podcast insider. I will put the links in the show notes and you can send me your emails, your thoughts, your comments by emailing support at shadesoftraumahealing.com. I look forward to connecting with you and I will see you next week. Be blessed. Before you go, sister friend, did this podcast episode encourage, inspire, or teach you something new? If so, would you be so kind as to share it with another friend who needs help to overcome her childhood trauma? And don't forget to hop over to Apple Podcasts to leave a rating and a written review for the show. This way, the show can reach more sisters who need to hear it. Thank you for listening and know that I am cheering for your healing. I'll be back next week. So until then, take time to breathe and be blessed.